Welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR Show, where we save you time by providing you the too-long-didn't-read summary of cybersecurity topics and news. You can find us on YouTube with video and all the popular podcasting platforms for audio on the go. Now let's get over to your host, John Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm your host, John Good, and this is your Threat Intel Briefing for January 22nd, 2023 through January 28th. 2023. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That way YouTube knows that you enjoy the content and it continues to push out new content to you when it comes out. If you're listening on podcasting platforms, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Let us know how you, if you enjoy the show, if you want to hear about other things. And that goes on YouTube uh, with YouTube as well. Anything that you want to hear, uh, see or hear about as far as content, not just related to this show, definitely let me know in there. And then also check out the description because there will be a link to the show notes where you can check out the articles that we go over. You can read a little bit more about them. And you can also read about articles that we didn't cover that we didn't just have enough time for. So with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump into the first article here. So Google parent company Alphabet to cut 12,000 jobs. Google and Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai said that he took full responsibility for the cuts in an internal email. The cuts will affect 6% of Alphabet's workforce worldwide in teams including recruitment and engineering. This comes days after Microsoft announced 10,000 jobs will be lost and weeks after Amazon announced 18,000 job cuts. <clears throat> Mr. Pichai announced severance packages for US employees who will receive at least 16 weeks of salary for 2022 bonus, paid vacations, and six months of health coverage. Analysts have said that tech's big guns had previously overspent, not seeing a slowdown on the horizon. Daniel Ives of Wedbush Securities said the layoffs highlight irresponsible spending across the sector, basking in hyper growth. So I'm not sure if you've heard about this. Most people have heard about this, but there is a lot of layoffs going on in the tech industry. And that goes across really several industries, right? It's market-wide, it's not just a certain area, but certainly with big companies like Google, like Microsoft, like Amazon, where their name is everywhere, obviously people are gonna hear about those kinds of layoffs and they employ a lot of people. So when you're laying off 12,000, 18,000 people, these large numbers, you know, people are gonna know about that. Now, Obviously, if you work in the tech industry or if you're just looking for a you know, very critical kind of um, prominent job, you might look at companies like a Google or an Amazon or a Microsoft. And one thing that we're really starting to see in this um, time is that these companies were you know, hyper growth, right? They were just growing, 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 no, sign, no signs of slowing down and just continuing to do this. And they just keep spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning until all of a sudden we have these events of the last couple of years where they are just now kind of really starting to impact a lot of things, right? There was kind of this big lag, this big delay where we, we didn't really see as much impact, you know, in 2021 and 2020 and early 2022. And then now we're just starting to see more and more of it really catch up to these companies. And that's one thing that I really want to emphasize in any company that you work in is 
how fiscally, fiscally responsible is that company or is that leadership team, right? If they just start going on crazy hiring frenzies, which companies do, right? We've seen a lot of companies do that. You know, one of the downsides of that is if they hit a brick wall really quickly or at some point and they, they hired too many people, they overhired, well, then obviously people are going to get let go, right? We talk about this all the time with regards to cybersecurity because obviously a lot of my audience is cybersecurity and tech and IT related, but this could be for any, you know, kind of company or industry, but specifically in tech, you know, what kinds of things are you doing? What kinds of skills are you building? Knowledge are you gaining? that's going to make you really valuable for any company, right? Like what, what are you learning? What are you doing that is going to make you very attractive to that next employer, right? A lot of times when you land a job or you get hired on with a company, you're kind of in that mode where you're like, okay, I did it, right? Like I'm good. I just really have to focus on this company's mission or whatever, and I'm going to be protected, right? Well, that's not always the case. You always have to be preparing for, you know, the, the, the worst case scenario, right? If you were to get laid off, how quickly do you think you'd be able to get another job? How marketable are your skills? Right in cybersecurity and IT, are you learning other, uh, getting other certifications? Are you learning other topics? Are you staying on top of trends? Are you watching threat intel briefings from John Good? Right, <laughs> these are all questions that employers, I'm sure, are going to ask you. But uh, you have to stay on top of trends. You have to continue to learn new skills. This is one industry where if you stop learning and you kind of just become complacent, you're going to fall behind. And it's going to really catch up with you at one point, right? You'll get left behind and that's a serious issue, right? Especially if you're in the highly technical areas. So for instance, in cybersecurity, if you're in penetration testing, right? And uh, let's say 10 years ago, right? Where web apps weren't as big of a thing as they are now. If you decided to not learn about web apps and you only focus on network penetration testing, well, you started to get left behind, right? Because web apps came and then mobile hacking came and all these other things, car hacking, right? Like all this stuff. So you have to keep that in mind. You have to always be thinking ahead about how you're gonna be marketable if something happens, right? Might not be today, might not be tomorrow, might be next week though. So keep that in mind. Next article, tech job bloodbath comes to IBM. CFO links layoffs to Kendrill Watson Health. IBM is the latest tech company to jump on the layoff bandwagon with news that it would reduce its workforce by around 3,900 people. The roughly 1.5% of IBM's 260,000 person headcount is not nearly as large a cut uh, by numbers as Microsoft's latest reduction of 10,000, Amazon's 18,000, Salesforce is 8,000, nor Alphabet's 12,000. However, it does contribute to the growing number of unemployed professionals from the tech industry. The CFO also told Reuters IBM is still committed to hiring for client-facing research and development. So obviously an uh, IBM, another large player in the tech industry, but that's another important point that this makes right at the end here. Uh, the last thing that I said, where is your company focused for the future, right? Like what are their plans for the future and where they're gonna try to focus efforts, okay? If you were a traditionally an on-site company, 
let's say very on-premise, you had a big data center and you were very focused in that, that sense. But your leadership tells you that they're gonna start focusing on the cloud and migrating things into the cloud and you don't listen to that and you don't pay attention and start building those skills as your company migrates that way, what if your team gets laid off, right? What if your team was solely focused on on-premise solutions and then you didn't focus on the cloud and then they lay off everybody that's focused on on-premise and there's some jobs that are open for the cloud, but you don't know about the cloud, right? You didn't do, you didn't take the time to learn skills. You didn't take the time to learn this new uh, technology or this new area that your leadership was very clear about where they were going. Obviously, if your company isn't clear and your leadership team doesn't tell you what the plans are going into the future, you know, that's kind of a bad sign anyways, right? <laughs> but um, when they do have these town hall meetings, when they do these annual uh, year-end uh, kind of press conferences or town hall meetings for the company, what are they saying, right? Pay attention to where things are going. You have to do it. I'm telling you, if you don't, you're going to suffer the worst of those consequences. So keep that in mind, please, please, please. I don't want you to be one of the ones that gets something that happens unexpectedly in your, from your employer and you're left without a job and you have no marketable skills, right? That's the worst situation you could possibly be in. So you have to pay attention. You have to keep learning and progressing. Next article, Microsoft invests billions in chat GPT maker OpenAI. Microsoft says it's making a uh, multi-year, multi-billion dollar investment in the artificial intelligence startup OpenAI, maker of ChatGPT and other tools that can write readable text and generate new images. The tech giant on Monday described its new agreement as the third stage of a growing partnership with San Francisco-based OpenAI that began with $1 billion investment in 2019. It didn't disclose a dollar amount for its latest investment. Partnership positions Microsoft to sharpen its competition with Google in commercializing new AI breakthroughs that could transform numerous professions as well as the internet search business. Technology could also help Microsoft's own search engine being compete with Google in answering search queries with more complete answers instead of just links. So have you heard of ChatGPT? <laughs> I guess that's the first question, right? If you haven't heard ChatGPT, I would highly recommend that you go check it out. And there's a few of these systems that are kind of you know popping up, um, but the idea with open AI, artificial intelligence, the idea here is that computers can do some of the work for you, right? Like they, they learn about how things are done for something, or they learn information that they can then apply and kind of adapt over time. That's basically artificial intelligence, right? It's a, a learning computer if you're a Terminator fan. And, you know, ChatGPT is making headlines, right? It's, it is talked about in a lot of places. <laughs> it, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. We've seen incidents, uh, examples where it's been wrong, and that's why there's some controversy around it, but it's pretty exciting technology, right? The idea that artificial intelligence can do this is pretty amazing, right? That it can create code or, um, we talked about creating malware with ChatGPT. I mean, that's obviously a bad thing, right? But just that ability, that capability, I mean, it's, that's pretty sophisticated, right? And then you have a company like Microsoft who is committing money 
to that mission, right? That's pretty exciting. That that shows a strong interest in growing that capability, right? And we see Google doing that. We see obviously Microsoft doing that. And there's gonna be a lot of companies that are doing that. We've seen Amazon you know, kind of dabble in that area as well. But, um, you know, really exciting. Uh, obviously, if it can improve on Bing, you know, that, that's probably a good thing. I mean, <laughs> you know, Google's pretty great. YouTube's pretty great. So they, got, they have some uh, room to grow. But uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting to hear about. Next article, scientists use Wi-Fi routers to see humans through walls. Scientists from Carnegie Mellon University have developed a cheap way to sense humans through walls by using two Wi-Fi routers to image a human's 3D shape and pose. It's pretty interesting. Carnegie Mellon researchers' key achievement with, uh, with dense pose, first reported by Vice, is that they can accurately map multiple subjects' poses with an off-the-shelf 1D sensor, Wi-Fi antennas, rather than expensive RGB cameras, uh, LiDAR and radars. Also, they were able to use Wi-Fi to sense humans and their pose rather than just being able to openly, uh, only accurately locate an object in a room. Importantly, the Wi-Fi monitoring system is not impacted by poor light or obstructions, such as walls. Also, it requires a very cheap setup using equipment most people have at home already. The two TP-Link Wi-Fi routers used in the study cost about $30 each versus around $700 from the most common LiDAR. So that's pretty crazy, right? You can use a Wi-Fi signal to detect a human's pose in another room, right? Like through walls. That's, that's intense, right? Like that's, that is next level for sure. Um, obviously there's a lot of bad things that can be done with that. If you can be, uh, if it can be very accurate, right? I mean, if you're, if you're um, a criminal trying to commit a crime, right? And you're able to do this and you're able to see where like security guards are or something like that, you know, that's a serious issue, right? Like that, that's a big deal. Um, but obviously from the technology standpoint, that's pretty exciting, right? Like that's, that's just cool. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. That's just cool, especially for uh, relatively cheap to be able to do that. That's, you know, very exciting. A lot of times with technology, what we see is we see this evolutional cycle, right? Where when things are first implemented or first created, first developed, it's very expensive, right? It's cost prohibitive for really anybody to get. And just like computers, right? Computers used to be way crazy expensive. I mean, obviously now if you get like a MacBook M2 or something like that, you know, that's pretty expensive. But, uh, you know, computers for the most part are pretty reasonable, right? You can get a laptop, brand new for a couple hundred bucks all the way to like, you know, I don't know, five grand, six grand or something, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, just over time, parts get more, less expensive. You can find ways to use cheaper parts and just make whatever solution, you know, less expensive. So it's kind of a, uh, kind of got off topic a little bit as far as a specific article, but you know, that's just cool, right? They're already creating it where it's very inexpensive to do. So we've even seen that with drones, right? Drones used to be crazy expensive. I mean, there's still crazy expensive drones out there, right? But, um, you know, the prices have come down over time. So same kind of idea, right? Next article, Live Nation blames bots and an attack for Taylor Swift fiasco. You remember this? We talked about it on this show. Ticketmaster was hit with record bot traffic that crippled its systems 
with uh, when hordes of Taylor Swift fans attempted to buy tickets in November ahead of the singer's upcoming U.S. tour, the company's president told the Senate Judiciary Committee Tuesday. The company suffered three times the amount of bot traffic than we ever had experienced, as well as the targeting of the company's verified fan access code servers, said Joe Birchtold, chief financial officer and president of Ticketmaster's parent company, Live Nation Entertainment. Verified fan service was designed to limit ticket resellers' access to tickets, Birch told said to the panel. Blackburn said that Birch told told her on Monday that the company had a hard time distinguishing a bot attack and a consumer. So, uh, I remember this. This was pretty crazy, right? Um, basically, what happened is bots just overwhelmed Ticketmaster, right? They were not prepared to handle that. And, you know, that's one of the unfortunate things if you get hit by massive scale attacks and you're not, um, you're not thinking about it proactively before, right? You know, that's an issue, right? Like that's something that can happen. Uh, typically, in my own like thoughts, if you're dealing with customers and, you know, traffic that you're really targeting to hit your systems, it's not like internal systems, especially, right? Like these are external facing systems. You think you would be ready for a decent amount of traffic, right? Put up some kind of, um, you know, some kind of load balancing system or something where you're going to really be able to rate limit and prevent mass scale takedowns, right? Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case with Ticketmaster and they continue to want to blame everybody else uh, for their lack of being prepared. You know, I guess that's an easy scapegoat for them to try to take, but I just, just stop. Just, just accept the fact that you didn't do enough to prepare for that, right? Like, just wear it on the chin. Just take it. It's just, you know, when stuff like this happens, and companies continually try to just pass off blame when it's like, I mean, yeah, okay, you got a lot of traffic, but what did you do to, to prepare for that, right? Like, you could have prepared more. <laughs> it's just, it, it always entertains me when companies uh, give responses to, like, attacks and stuff, especially when it's just like, like, be honest, really. I mean... <laughs> Stop trying to uh, hide or to use a scapegoat or anything like that when it's not reasonable. Most of the time, it's not reasonable, right? Like there's generally more that you could have done, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you give it your best effort, but usually a lot of times when they're trying to cover it up or trying to pass off blame, it's because they either didn't do enough and or somebody very high up kept saying no to adding more security or adding more capabilities to you know uh, have higher availability rates or anything like that right usually it's one of those two if not both of those things so i think we'll see more about this i don't think this is going away anytime soon and i think there's going to be more that comes out probably more of them trying to pass it off but um you know i, I think we can watch this and we'll see right we'll see what happens uh, next article, Pakistani authorities investigating if cyber attack caused nationwide blackout. 
Pakistani authorities are investigating whether a nationwide blackout, which left millions of people without power on Monday, was caused by a cyber attack. Cyber attacks on energy, grid, uh, energy grids are rare, although several have targeted Ukraine in the context of Russia's attacks against the country since 2014. Outages have become a common occurrence in a South Asian country in recent years, where an ongoing economic crisis and last year's devastating floods have severely impacted the lives of the country's more than 20, 220 million people. The technical root of the problem has not yet been explained in detail. Power generation units have been intentionally and temporarily turned off at night, something Pakistan is doing to save expenditure during the winter, but suffered an error when they turned on again on Monday morning. So basically what was happening is every night they would go shut down their systems and uh, to conserve energy, right? Conserve resources. And then in the morning they would turn them back on and everything would kind of start kicking again, right? But unfortunately what happened, they didn't turn on, they had an error, whatever the case was, and it, it didn't work as expected, right? So disaster recovery, business continuity, right? Those plans are critical. Can't stress that enough. You have to test them. You have to make sure they work. You not only have to test your primary process, right? Because you should have a primary process of how things are going to be brought back up and what you're going to do. But what also are your contingencies, right? So in general, right? Disaster recovery planning, business continuity planning, that is contingency planning, right? So if something happens, those plans kick in, you start doing whatever and you get things back running, right? And eventually you get back to a normal state. But what happens if that doesn't work, right? Do you have a plan? Uh, I guess that'd be plan C, right? <laughs> so plan A is operate as normal. Plan B is your disaster recovering uh, business continuity planning. And then plan C is what if that still doesn't work? What do you do, right? And I mean, you have to have that kind of plan, right? Like you can't just have a single plan as far as what to do. Because what if that plan gets ruined? What if your backups are deleted? What if your, uh, your main system, you know, it's a single point of failure when you're trying to turn it back on and it doesn't work? These are all things that matter. These are all things that you have to consider. Uh, from a uh, larger scale, from an, uh, a higher up, uh, broad, more broad perspective of this, this is why we're so concerned with things like the power grid, right? Power grid affects everything, right? There's so much stuff that runs off the power grid. And if it's attacked, if it's taken down, you know, that's a serious issue. That's why like in the United States, we consider things like the power grid as critical infrastructure, because if that goes down, we're in serious trouble, right? Like if that whole thing goes down, it's really, really bad. There's gonna be a lot of bad things that happen. And so that's why you see additional controls in those kind of environments. Uh, a lot of times there's additional checks on the people that work in those environments. There's just a lot more security, right? Like it's just like if you're working in the defense industry. Um, it's, you know, it, it's the same kind of idea, right? Um, but since it's critical infrastructure, there's gonna be even more things that are in place. So really, 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 really important. And um, I'd love to hear about your experience if you work in critical infrastructure, right? Like if you work for a power company, love to hear about your experience with, um, you know, obviously you don't get in trouble telling anything confidential or anything like that. But if you have any 
um, any examples or stories or anything like that of like blackouts or cyber attacks. Um, I, I'd really be interested to hear about those because like I said, I mean, critical infrastructure, especially power grids, that's just becoming more and more important. Talk about it more and more all the time. So yeah, definitely, definitely really interesting. Uh, next article, North Korean hackers use fake job offers, salary bumps as lure for crypto theft. Hackers connected to the North Korean military used a variety of new phishing methods in 2022, steal cryptocurrency according to a new report from Proof, Proofpoint. So we actually talked about this idea of North Korea using fake jobs to target people. Uh, we, you know, we talked about that a few times actually this past year. The hackers bombarded people with emails about fake job opportunities at prestigious firms or fictitious salary increases as a way to get people to open emails carrying, uh, carrying malware that enables the group to steal cryptocurrency. Researchers noted that the activity stands out among government hacking groups because while most are focused on espionage and data theft, TA444, which is the, the group, is solely interested in stealing funds, deploying methods typically used by cyber criminals. So North Korea in general, you know, they're, they're very locked down as far as uh, there's a lot of sanctions and things like that that are in place with North Korea, right? And so a lot of times you'll see things like trying to steal money, trying to steal cryptocurrency, things they can easily flip and use to actually acquire goods, acquire um, services, whatever, right? Like acquire things. Um, and so it's, like I said, we, we talked about this a few times with them sending fake job offers. We saw on platforms like LinkedIn, they were sending fake job offers, putting them up. Uh, they're trying to get hired by companies, right? Like they're trying to do all this stuff because they want to, you know, use any information or resources they can get to further their position. So not super surprising, but uh, definitely something to be on the lookout because you, if you work in tech, you know, you're probably going to be one of those that are kind of targeted just because, you know, especially if you make a low salary, maybe like you're in help desk and they're like, oh, do you want to be like a senior cybersecurity analyst or something? You know, that's kind of suspicious. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean, just be on the lookout. I would say with job offers in general, just be on the lookout because, you know, a lot of times you'll get kind of blasted uh, job offers that may or may not be legit. Um, honestly, I have a hard time believing a lot of these kind of things that come in my messages. Uh, I, I would much rather find it personally myself because then I know where I found it than rely on some random person or random person, right? Or bot or something, sending me something that's probably malicious. So I don't ever go for these. Um, I, I would recommend that you don't go for these either. You know, use other channels to confirm if you see something. Like if you get a job offer message or something, go to the company's website, check it out, see if it's legit, and just use other verification methods to make sure. Um, yeah, don't don't fall victim to this. You don't want to be that person that that loses out on your cryptocurrency or you know gets malware on your computer or something. So be careful. Uh, GoTo says hackers stole encrypted backups, MFA settings. IT management software firm GoTo said on Tuesday that an unidentified threat actor stole encrypted backups and an encryption key for a portion of data uh, that data during a 2022 breach that also affected its LastPass affiliate. 
Go to Chief Executive Patty Vasan confirmed the security breach was far worse than originally reported and included the theft of account usernames, salted and hashed passwords, a portion of multi-factor authentication MFA settings, as well as product settings and licensing information. In August last year, GoTo affiliate LastPass disclosed a data breach that included the theft of source code and proprietary technical information. In November, GoTo said it also was affected by that hack, which is uh, linked to an unnamed third-party cloud security vendor. Breaches are bad. Um, anytime that, you know, even if you have data that's encrypted and it gets stolen, that's generally not a good thing, right? Um, Encrypt your data like that, that encrypting data is really the first step, at least at protecting your data, right? So your S3 buckets and AWS or your Dropbox or whatever, right? Like wherever you're storing data, please encrypt it, right? Especially your backups. Backups are one of those things where, you know, what I've seen in my experience, right, is that the primary data source is typically the one that you're, you look at and you're like, okay, yeah, that's encrypted. We're good to go. We have backups in place. We're good to go. And you just kind of keep going on with your life, right? A lot of times that backup is not thought about, right? It's not thought about to encrypt that backup, especially if um, you don't have a lot of security skills or security people on staff. You know, that's totally a possibility where you don't consider that backup. So encrypt your backups, encrypt your data. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, right? Um, it's always bad to see these main, uh, these big companies, these companies that are well-known and used by a lot, of, uh, a lot of other companies as customers. It's always bad to see when they get hacked or breached or affected by another, uh, another breach, right? Supply chain security, right? That's another important thing. If you bring in software from somewhere else, and that vendor gets breached, they get hacked, how does that affect you? Does that vendor have direct access into your network, into your data? You know, all that stuff is very important to consider, and uh, I would highly recommend that you pay attention to that, right? Supply chain security. Well, that escalated quickly. India demos homebrew mobile OS. A mere week after an Indian government official Tease the possibility the nation could create its own mobile OS to challenge dominance of Google and Apple. Minister for Education and Minister of Skill Development and Entrepreneurship, uh, Demendra Pradhan, has demonstrated just such an OS at work and endorsed it as the sort of, uh, of the India should be doing. The OS called Bra OS and was announced last week by the Indian, uh, Indian Institute of Technology, Madras. The OS is reported to ship with no preloaded apps and to share no user data. Only private app stores work with the OS. Prodan claimed the OS is cap incapable of running malware without elaboration. Okay, so first of all, incapable of running malware, give me a break, right? Like, give me a break. I, I highly doubt that. So I would, I would love to hear more of an explanation about that one, right? Or better yet, when somebody finds a zero day and they're like, but we have a zero day and we can run malware and yeah. And they're like, well, you know, <laughs> that's, 
that's just like ridiculous. But, um, you know, this, when I read this article, this made me think about the idea for one, right? Apple, Google, you know, obviously when they're releasing their operating systems, they have a lot of uh, data that they can collect. Microsoft, right? Like all these companies can co collect a ton of data. Typically they come preloaded with their own app store, right? Especially those vendors, right? Um, and then if you get like a Motorola phone, let's say, typically Motorola will put something on there from Motorola. Maybe a Verizon, a Verizon Wireless, a cell phone company, they'll put their own bloatware on there, right? And then you get all this bloatware that's just killing the device, right? Um, that's very obnoxious, obviously. But um, especially coming from a government, you know, that in the United States, people wouldn't stand for that, right? Because we would consider that an overreach, right? And people wouldn't go buy that device. Um, but, you know, in, India is doing some interesting things. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. They have their own operating system that they're releasing. Uh, actually, if you've never seen any documentaries, places like North Korea and stuff like that, they have their own operating systems that they like release too. It, it's go on YouTube and search for it. But, um, you know, a, a government releasing their own operating system, uh, they're putting in super strict regulations around things like incident response and identifying incidents in India. So they're, they're kind of going full force, right? So uh, very interesting. I, I'd love to see a little bit more about that, especially this incapable of running malware. I can't wait until somebody throws malware on the operating system, right? Like never make that claim, never make that claim. That's just such a bad claim to make. You are just testing people to go do it and they're going to do it. Oh, they're going to do it. <laughs> so with that, that's going to be the last article for this week. This was your Threat Intel Briefing for January 22nd, 2023 through January 28th, 2023. I'm John Good. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That way YouTube knows to keep pushing content to you. If you're listening on podcasting platform, make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and check out the description because there will be a link to the show notes. Without, uh, any, more, uh, without any more to go, uh, any more articles, that's going to wrap it up for this week. So... And I want to thank you for joining me and I will see you next time.